On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, he'd have always got the good oil. Pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Welcome to Monday's Experts on this Monday, the 29th of May, and looking forward to today's chat. We're chatting with Group 1 winning jockey Sam Clipperton. Keen to hear Sam's story and what is ahead for the uh, the young man who has been absolutely thriving since obviously returning from Hong Kong a few seasons ago, and uh, he's in a good place, and really looking forward to finding out about uh, how his career started all those moons ago. Sam, welcome to Monday's Experts. G'day, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Mate, uh, good to talk with you. Firstly, congratulations on Saturday. Does a Group 1, does it ever get old, mate? I know that's probably a silly question, but does it ever get old, that, that feeling, um, you know, all that hard work unfolding after, what, a minute and a half? Yeah, no, it certainly doesn't get old. Um, they're hard to win. They're, that's my uh, only my fourth fourth group one in my career so uh yeah, they don't come around very often or they you know they they you need a lot to be to go right for yourself to for to win one and um yeah no i'm still uh still buzzing like an old fridge from saturday that's fantastic mate tell us about where it all began where did you grow up i grew up on the um on the northern beaches of of sydney um just up there at um mona vale and um and no, not from a you know, not from any sort of racing background at all. My my um my dad's from from the bush. He's from Den, uh, Den down in the Riverina, and obviously spent a fair bit of time out the out the bush. And um, uh, started just riding horses when I was when I was about five or six. Just got riding lessons one day, um, and that went from once a week to twice a week to happening every day and and you know getting my first pony and turning into a, a full-on sport for myself and um and you know went through show jumping and eventing and pony club and whatnot and um and yeah just just always for some reason just uh fell in love with with riding horses and, and that, that always just always had that passion for the horse yeah can you can you pinpoint why mate was it a particular moment like I mean because obviously you know kids at, at that young age will say throw us a footy or get us a little motorbike or what am I, what, what was it why was it a horse for you I'm, I'm not too sure I think um you know I was never any good I was nef- never gifted with any sort of talent for uh to play footy or soccer I was completely useless with the with the ball sports but um always loved jumping on my bike and you know and had a little motorbike riding around when I was when I was young, but uh, for some reason one day I decided to ask mum and dad to um, to get horse riding lessons, and um, it just yeah it just stuck. Like I said, it was started off as just a once a week thing after school. To within six months, I was doing it every day, and and that's all I wanted to do. So um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure why. Like I said, sort of spent a fair bit of time out in the country um, being young and just always loved the land but it was sort of stuck growing up in the northern beaches of Sydney so um, I guess perhaps that was sort of you know my way of of sort of being you know feeling like I was out out in the bush and riding horses after school but um, just something that I uh, gradually you know I fell in love with straight away and gradually um, 
became more and more serious to a point where, like I said, I was doing it every day and um, competing in show jumping every weekend, basically. Sam, what about as this is developing? So obviously you're doing this as school's going on. What were the parents saying to you? Were they obviously full of support? They could see your passion, but was there some reservations from mum and dad in relate because it was so foreign to the family? No, that were that were good as gold. They, uh, I think it was a good thing that it was foreign for them because, um, you know, we're, in terms of, of racing wise, anyway, you know, they they didn't know, I guess, how hard uh, a, a career as a jockey um, is. How you know the dangers and the sacrifices and. Um, I think it was good because they certainly didn't try and um, steer me in any other direction. I, I wasn't any good at school, hated school, um, was always tiny growing up. And, um, you know, I didn't really sort of even really want to be a jockey. I was sort of more wanting to be a, a rodeo rider or end up on a farm somewhere or maybe go to the, try go to the Olympics for show jumping. Uh, the, the, the horse racing wasn't really in my mind at all but like I say I was always very small and had a couple of people along the way sort of suggest I should become a jockey and I just sort of thought um great way to get out of school early I can drop out and go ride horses for a living how good so I uh I was a bit naive to it myself um but no just sort of things fell into place um for me once I turned basically turned 15 um had a chat to mum and dad about where I was at and um, we sort of decided to go down the apprentice jockey path and yeah had a bit of luck on my side and met the right people along the way and here we are well let's talk about those people so when you've had that discussion with mum and dad about becoming an apprentice and we're chatting with Sam Clipperton this morning on Monday's Experts how was that process Sam and I guess I want to I'm keen to uh, find out about this because who knows there could be uh, another Sam Clipperton listening to this as we speak or a mum and dad listening to this as we speak. So I know these processes change all the time, but for when it was your situation, was it a matter of contacting Race New South Wales or just meeting the right people? How did you go about it? Yeah, so like I said, I'd basically done maybe, or basically did two weeks of year 10, um, ready to get out of school. And um, my parents contacted Racing New South Wales. And at the time, this was sort of, you know, back at the start of two thousand and nine I think it was so I would I would assume it's sort of all changed a fair bit now but um, there was sort of like a, a, a race New South Wales course out at Warwick Farm and um, uh, for you know people looking to be an apprentice jockey or a track work rider or a stable hand and um, uh, race New South Wales suggested to my mum and dad that they bring me out to that and um that's what we did the next day. Basically, left school the next day and went to Warwick Farm. And I was um, extremely fortunate that one of the instructors at this course uh, was Ron Quinton, and um, met Ron. And you know, obviously, this course went for a month, so I got to know Ron over the course of, of the months, and um, and um, you know, became quite you know friendly with Ron. And at the time, Ron. Um, he was a trainer, but he only had, I think he only had sort of three or four horses in work. So, um, you know, he was he was sort of not winding down, but he didn't have a, a, a big team of horses whatsoever. Um, and at the end of this course, I got sent out to Peter Nestor's 
at Dubbo for work experience. And I think I was basically supposed to go to Peter Nestor to start my apprenticeship, but at the time he didn't have um, any room for me. I think he needed a couple of months just to um, get a couple of more horses in or, or, or whatever. So I'd already left school. I was kind of in limbo land, loving life, not going to school at home and riding my horses every day, thinking I was living the dream. And um, and I, we got a phone call off Ron Quinton, and he said, um, no point you sitting at home doing nothing. You may as well just come in and get of experience. And um, I've only got four horses, but you can come in and help me and get a feel for stable life. And, um, you know, he was kind enough to um have me well that at first it was only supposed to be for two weeks so he said you can come live with me and my wife margaret until um mr Nestor's ready for you to go out there well i didn't end up leaving dave i was there for about five years and um wow. lived, lived with ron and margaret for just under four years so uh no it was you know it was i was very very green and very new and, and very young but um I was incredibly lucky that I had um, Ron and, and Margaret, you know, basically invite me into their house and become my sort of parents, so to speak, at a at a real, um, you know, developing age as a 15-year-old onto about 18, 19-year-old. So, yeah. no, I was I was extremely lucky and obviously very grateful to to Ron for um, yeah, the, my my whole apprenticeship days and obviously you know our our relationship continues on strong in, in into now what were the type of things that were instilled in you under you know um ron ron quinton's um mastership so to speak yeah look uh, ron obviously came through the um you know his boss was theo green who um obviously had all you know developed all kinds of um, you know, all, all different names of, of champion jockeys, Darren Beedman, um, Ron, um, the list goes on and on. And um, I think he just instilled, you know, hard work, discipline and, and work ethic. Um, you know, just turning up every day on time, which I had no choice in the matter because I was living with Ron. So if I was sleeping <laughs> in, he'd go and wake me up anyway. Um, but just, um, yeah, just... just just discipline. Ron was very disciplined. Um, you know, he was very old school in a way, um, how he operated, but he was also very fir- firm and fair. And, um, you know, basically you were too scared to, to, to let him down. So, um, you know, you had to do it as well. It, it wasn't just Ron in, instilling it into us. You, it, it was, you know, it was your choice whether you wanted to, to do it or not. And, and wanted it bad enough, and and um, and I did. And um, one thing about Ron also did once he got into your racing, you know, up to your race riding stage, he he basically um, put you on all his horses. And like I said, when I started with Ron, he had three three or four horses in work, and in three or four years, he was up to twenty four, twenty five horses. So um, and he had quite a lot of runners and. And basically, his apprentices rode everything, whether it was a maiden at Goldman or a, or in a Doncaster. He, he he put you on and and you know backed you and and um, it was it was he'd make you develop as a jockey. That's for sure. We're chatting with Sam Cliverton this morning on Monday's Expert. Sam, tell us about that first. Do you remember your first race like it was yesterday? 
Yeah, I do. It was at uh, it was at Wyong on a big horse for um, for Graham Begg actually, and 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 Mr. Begg owned it. Uh, it was called Nine Dragons, and um, it was a full field at Wyong, and I think Ron was a lot more nervous than what I was because um, I was 38 kilos, ringing wet, and probably way too way too small to be starting, but. Like all young fellas, I was in a mad rush and wanted to get going, so I don't think Ron could hold me back anymore. And um, now we got around safely. I think I ran probably near last, but, yeah, it was certainly an eye-opener. Um, you know, it doesn't matter how many people warn you about what it's like riding in a race. It's, until you do it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a foreign thing until you get used to it. So, And I was certainly, like I said, I was very small, probably didn't have enough strength really to start, but... Um, I was lucky. I was on an old, nice old horse who, who got me around safely. Yeah. What about that first win? Yeah, the first win came. It was a fair while. I think it was my twenty seventh career wow. ride, and maybe three, three or four months in. And uh, did, first did, win it was that, also. Did that frustrate sorry. you? Ah, uh, no. I, it didn't because my my rides were very spread out. Like I said, I think it was. Um, you know, Rom was sort of. Um, acting as a as a bit of a manager for me at the time, and yep. I think Ron was very selective, not where I went for a ride, but the horses I I, I did ride because um, at the end of the day I was I was so small I was um, you know I could barely obviously claiming four kilos and I could barely ride over fifty six because we just couldn't simply couldn't get a saddle big enough or enough lead on lead lead on the back of the horse to make up the weight so. Uh, it was a slow process, but um, yeah, I'll never forget that first winner. It was that Wyong on a on a big horse called White Horse Inn, and um, remember I just sat back last and and circled the field with about 600 to go, and away we went. And um, yeah, now that was uh, it. Uh, doesn't matter where the first winner is; it's it's a it's a real buzz. And no, I, I remember that one like yesterday. That's for sure. And then obviously um, as the career progresses. Do you remember that first Group One win? Yeah, do that was obviously very special. Um, Ron had a really talented filly or, or mare at the time called Peeping, and um, you know I, 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 I'm not sure how many starts she had. I think she had 14 starts, and I rode her in every single one of those. I never, never didn't ride her, and. Um, and uh, yeah, it was the Coolmore Classic of 2016, and and I was riding peeping for Ron, and um, you know she produced her best and won the Coolmore Classic. And I think to ride my first Group One winner um, for Ron, for Ron, who obviously um, you know had done so, so much for me, and we were so close, um, you know it was just oh, it was awesome just to you know even to even to you know when I when I finish my career one day, I'll still be looking back and just, you know, feel so privileged and lucky that I was um, able to ride a Group One winner for Ron. It was a, it was an incredible day. Yeah, she was a great um, mare for you. She's no longer, unfortunately, with us, peeping. But um, no, she, she was. Yeah. yeah, she actually had a, um, a colic attack. I'm pretty sure only, only a month, a month after that Coolmore Classic that, that Coolmore, she won. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was devastating for all of us and her owners. And um, yeah, she was just a, a, a sweetheart. She used to just race in a D bit, no gear. She was just uh, the perfect horse for a jockey to ride. And um, 
she's certainly very talented as well. Was she your first listed winner? Because you run the Derby Munro on her. I'm just having a look um, and going back. I mean, we're talking no. 2015, or was she? Yeah, my first listed winner came. I think it was. It was on a big horse called of Ron's as well, called uh, Monton, and um, that was oh, way back, back in 2011 in the Festival Stakes. I think it's a Group Three now. I'm pretty sure, but um, yeah, yeah, big horse called Monton. He was good for the stable. He gave me my first. I think it was my first Group 1 ride in a Doncaster. And uh, he was good to all the apprentices. He raced for a lot of years and I won a fair few on him. Taylor Marshall won a fair few on him. And um, I think even Andy Atkins won a race on him. And um, he was, you know, he was talented. I remember the the start after I, I won the uh, festival stakes on him. Um, Huey won the Villiers on him. So he was... It was pretty handy, but sort of goes back goes back to my point about Ron, you know, throwing us boys in the deep end and, and just giving giving us that experience in those big races with with horses like Monton and and you know helping us develop. We're chatting with uh, Sam Clipperton this morning. Sam, your riding career is continuing. Your riding group winners here in Australia. Tell me about the move to Hong Kong. I know you'd been to New Zealand before that because you went over and rode an international opportunity, but going and riding in Hong Kong was something you always wanted to tick off in a, in a box, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, after peeping on the, the Coolmore Classic, I sort of was able to bang another group one in pretty quick in that same autumn carnival on, on English uh, in the All-Aid Stakes. So, um, you know, we got the, the call up from Hong Kong not long after that. And look, I was very young, Dave. I was only 22 at the time and probably too young to be going over and, and riding in, in, in Hong Kong. But, um, you know, the opportunity presented and I certainly couldn't say no. It was something that I, you know, really wanted to, a task that I really wanted to set myself and um, went over there and had a good crack and was there just under three years. And, um, yeah, look, I had relative success. I but um, I think I rode 40 winners in my first season there, and yeah. strangely, strangely enough, things started to slow down a little, you know, a bit after that. But that's just how it is over there sometimes. But it was a really good learning experience. I, you know, I admit now that I was certainly probably too young to be going there. Just probably not, uh, not so much experience enough, but probably just not mature enough just to just to handle. The uh, not the pressure, but just you know, the just the, the living arrangements, the just the everyday grind, I guess. But um, great, great experience for my riding and you know, for my life basically to live in a foreign country for nearly three years. It um, you know, we had a lot of good times and yeah, like I said, I had had sort of relative success and rode a you know a couple of nice group winners and whatnot. So um, no, it was a it was a good time. The opportunity then to come back to Australia, uh, obviously you're, you're here um, with your family, but in terms of just sort of coming back and going, right, well, I'm Sam Clipton and I was going well before I left and now I've been to Hong Kong and ridden some winners and come back, it's not as easy. And there was a period, I think, when you just returned that we'd actually spoke on the radio and you you actually mentioned that you'd half thought about giving the game away. You were sort of, you, you needed a bit of a, a spell from racing and you were enjoying your surfing and just wanting to clear your head. Yeah, no, exactly. I, um, again, when I came back, 
um, from Hong Kong back to Sydney. Um, I probably approached that in a in the wrong way as well. I, I was probably you know not mature about it and probably thinking I was just going to slot straight back in. And um, I certainly, when I came back for those first maybe four or five months, wasn't applying myself how I shouldn't how I should have been. And I certainly wasn't riding as well as I, as I, not at the time knew I could, but you know, certainly wasn't riding well like I know I can now. And um, I found it a difficult transition actually coming back home. It was, it was quite difficult, and I really lost a lot of interest in in in, in racing and, and, and in riding. And I think looking back now, I was just probably burnt out and burnt the candles at both ends and. You know, I'd been working really hard since the day I left school from, from 15 and then I think I was um, 26 when I came back. So um, I ended up deciding with my, my wife and I decided that um, I was you know, I was just going to take some time off. I ended up taking five months off from, from riding and that was a gamble within, it, with it, within itself because, you know, again, come back from, from five months off, riding people forget you pretty quick and basically out of sight out of mind and um but it was something that I really had to do because I was really struggling or starting to struggle mentally and um it was just something that I had to just have a have a checkpoint restart myself and click the refresh button and uh I think it was a, a really good thing that I did because I was able to go out and do things that I'd never done before and travel a bit and um see see a bit more of the of the world and um it gave me a made me realize that I'm very lucky to be to have the career that that I that I have and very lucky to be able to um you know do something that I love for a living and uh it was it was certainly a turning point in my career we're chatting with Sam Cliburn this morning Sam do you remember you maybe this this day probably is not significant for you but do you remember the 28th of August, 2021 at Kim Grange. 28th of August, 2021. Not, you, might have to, you might have to refresh, refresh my memory here, Dave. Well, well, you jumped on a horse. You ran last. Only yeah. beaten 2.3 at Kimber. This was COVID because... I this do is remember we were, it. That was the day yeah. I rode Marzu for the first yeah. time. First time. Did he yeah. give you any feel that day like he was going to be a horse you would continue to sit on and, you know, get you in, in finishes of some, some of the biggest races we've got? Or did he was he just sort of, you know, just another horse, so to speak? Well, it's funny you ask that because at the time he was a colt and he was just, uh, I have to say, he was a bit of a rogue. He, he'd sweat up terribly before his races. He'd... He'd just, um, you know, you'd have to basically trot him to the barriers because he'd try and take off on you. And he was a very hot-blooded horse. And he ran last. But as you said, he, I think he ran, was only beaten two lengths to, yep. was it Paul Laley? who was re- in the yeah. Congo. Who was and really Paul Laley, yeah. Grades. yeah. And um, so off that run, yeah, it reads that he ran last. But, you know, he, he, you could feel he had something, but you just thought, you just thought, how's this horse going to live up to his potential with this shocking attitude he's got, he had? And, um, yeah, it was quite amazing. I think that same preparation, while he was still a colt, he won the Brian Crowley. Yep. And that was my first 
first win on him. And, um, you know, he, he won well that day, gave me a nice feel of a horse that was going to go through the grade, but, it, you know, still had no idea he was going to do what he did. And Snowden's Peter and Paul tipped him out after that and gave him the gelding operation, and he just came back that next preparation, a different horse. And, uh, you know, he, he, he won a benchmark 78 at the start of his... That's right. Of, of that that Doom and Ten Thousand campaign, and by the end of it, he strung five in a row, and yeah, he run won the Arrowfield, and then won the Doom and Ten Thousand, and then very next prep went on to run the third in an Everest. So, no, he was an extremely talented horse, and um, yeah, obviously that day at Kemble, I had no idea he was going to do uh, for what he what he's done for my career. That uh, that Everest, I mean, you've been in some of the biggest races in the world. You've been big races over there in Hong Kong. We know what it's like with the theatre there. You've obviously had, you know, big opportunities riding south and also other races here. But that day, obviously, Giga Kick wins. I know you, you don't win the Everest, but just from chatting with a lot of the boys and girls in that, in that room, whether it be on this sort of, you know, segment or whether it be just, you know, off air, they say there's nothing quite like that day at Ramwick. It's just got something about it, and you can just hear that roar like you never hear when you're out in the track. Yeah, yeah no, that was the probably one of the most incredible days I've ever ever had on a on a racetrack. That day, this just the the atmosphere was just just electric the whole day from basically race one. I remember I got to the races quite early, and like Doncaster Avenue. It was just gridlock, and it was like an hour before the first, and you could just sense it was this. It wasn't a day at the races; it was a, a big event. It was like turning up to a, you know, a big, um, a big. I don't know. I can't even describe it. it. You could just tell something big was on, and um, you know, there was forty thousand people at Randwick, which you know doesn't sound like a lot compared to the stadiums that fill up with 100,000 or, you know, Flemington that gets 120,000 on Cup Day. But it didn't matter what the number was. It was just it was just a vibe the whole day and loud and the crowd was into the racing all day. And, yeah, as it, it was a real buzz to be there. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was awesome. He's a very good horse. Um, obviously, we know um, Marzu... What do you think is going to be the trick to him? Because he just seems to be running into one better, and he's got excuses. He's running the TJ was outstanding on the heavy nine, and I know that he's won on heavy tracks before, but just feels like maybe the wheels are spinning a little bit. Like he's got a big one in him, doesn't he? Oh, he does. Yeah, no, he's a very talented horse. And um, look, he unfortunately for him, there's some really also really talented sprinters around as well. So you know, with the likes of Giga Kick, I wish I win. Um, he's matching motors with these horses. Um, just a matter of him getting his to stick his head out first, which I'm sure he will. As he said, he's he's running the TJ was was awesome. Um, I didn't actually ride him in the Doom in ten thousand this year, but he ran a, a really good race in in the ten thousand, and again running third. You know, again only being beaten half a length. So he's matching motors with the with the big guns, and I think we can consider Marzu a big gun as well for what he's done he's a he's a great horse and yeah look he's you know he's trained he's trained by he's certainly in the right camp for him to be getting getting another group one in, on his resume and I'm um you know he's got a he's only a 
still a relative young horse himself. He's only a four-year-old, and um, you know he's got the spring and 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 next autumn. And, and being a gelding, he's going to be you know a right as you say sound. He's going to be round for a few seasons yet. So no, there's there's a lot of good lot of good racing in him. Sam, you're 29 years of age. You've already achieved a lot. I know you've only won single digits when it comes to to group ones but you've achieved a lot of things in racing and you've been able to experience you know different cultures etc what's what's on the to-do list what do we want to continue to achieve is it obviously riding more group one winners is there a particular race you'd love to win what's what what are the goals yeah now i'm sort of coming to that age where uh fingers crossed and um you know i can i can keep sort of improving i guess but i'm coming to that age where I now probably start expecting myself to to be, you know, riding Group One winners hopefully more consistently. Um, like I said, though, they're, they're extremely hard to to get. Um, I've got four now. Who knows? I may not ride another one, but I would love to be starting to, you know, like the fellas, like the McAvoys, the McDonalds, the the Bowmans, the, you know. They're they're expected to go out and win these big races, and I and I want to try and establish myself where, you know, I'm up there with the big guns. So, um, you know, I feel my time's probably from now, maybe for the next ten years till I'm, you know, late thirties for my for myself to really take advantage of that, and, and um, you know, my put a stamp put my stamp on 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 the Sydney riding ranks, and um, and yeah, look, there's no particular race I want to win just if they've got group one next to them I'll take them that's for sure but <laughs> exactly um I would love to maybe one day give Japan a go yep. um it's extremely hard to to get into you gotta I think you gotta win a win a win a premiership so um you know that I've, I have ridden over there before in Tokyo rode in a group one there for for the meeting on a Hong Kong horse and I think that just gave me a bit of a taste of what it's like over there. It's just incredible. Um, look, whether that ha- actually happens, Dave, not sure, but that's certainly certainly a goal I'd, I'd like to tick off um, in my career for sure. That would be exciting, mate. I mean, you must see a bloke like Frosty too, Damien Lane, doing what he's doing. Yeah, just being, yeah. Well, you know, he's just being killing over. I think he just you know? won the derby over there. Yeah, so, yesterday. You know, I, I, if I say if I... Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love to go there, and you know, I wouldn't it certainly wouldn't be expecting anything. Just more go there for the experience. But um, yeah. like I say, extremely hard to get there. So whether it actually happens or not, we'll we'll we'll, we'll find out. But um, certainly a goal anyway. Before I wrap it up, Sam, I always ask my guests this: What would you say to a eighteen, seventeen-year-old Sam Clipperton if he was standing in front of you? What advice would you give him? Yeah, plenty. Um, <laughs> uh, but just mainly, you know, work hard, apply yourself. Um, you know, it's a sacrifice to achieve anything you want to achieve in life. So, um, apply yourself and show good discipline and, and just get at it. Thanks for coming on the program, mate. Good luck. Big spring ahead. And also with the remainder of that winner up there in Brisbane and no doubt we'll see you around the traps. Thanks for coming on. No worries, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Sam Clippin on Monday's Experts, the 29th of May.